2012's Avengers left Marvel fans in an altered state. All of our favorite heroes joined together with many more to come. It was action throughout. We needed a break. Enter Iron Man 3. It was a perfect debriefing of the cosmically epic film that preceded it, mostly about Tony Stark overcoming the trauma that comes with battling a space army. It's got a few fun fight scenes and a top-tier single line, so why is it not a beloved movie? It's got an incredible base-level plot, one bad guy that really isn't trying to be bad, just covering his tracks. It's a good B storyline that really is better than the main plot, Tony suffering from anxiety after nuking aliens. I say there are three reasons it's unfairly ranked low among MCU movies. It's big bad Aldrich Killian was underdeveloped. People didn't like the Mandarin twist. I loved it. In a really, really bad ending. Terrible final fight. But it was a perfect space between Avengers and the incoming Phase 2, making Iron Man's final solo film one of the most important from its era. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. This is Jake Clark with The Wrong Opinion. We got Josh back for Iron Man 3. Say, what's up? What's up? What's up? So I'm always shocked at how much I like this movie. Just a lot of little scenes that I think are our pantheon scenes in the MCU, despite not being that beloved of a movie. What do you think of the movie, Josh? Better than Iron Man 2? <laughs> yeah. I It's been a long time since I have watched. It's probably been five years since I've seen this movie. At least. Um, And yeah, it was, I was surprised at how much I actually liked it because I didn't, going into that, I didn't think it was one of the movies that I liked very much, but it's a good movie. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they put it like later when we do rankings, they put it at the, at the skippable, like in in the bottom tier of MCU movies. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that. I talked about it at the beginning, but there's just a lot of little things that I liked. I love just the overarching plot. It's very, uh, spy uh espionage kind of he's like uncovering the truth and it's got a d- bunch of different plots uh, plot twists and we don't know what the plot twists are going to be and I-, I always like that in movies when the plot twist is revealed to us at the same time it's revealed to the characters and i think they did it really really well here yeah i would agree i also another thing i really liked about it and i'm sure we'll get into it later but um we saw a lot of character development in tony that lasts throughout some of the um later movies I really appreciated that. That that's one of those things that, after watching these past, you know, uh, several movies that uh, Tony was Tony was in, um, that's just one of those things that ages really well. But, yeah, I think the the like with Iron Man two, I thought an issue was that Tony stepped back after all his growth in the first movie, and this one, I think they that's what they were trying to do is what what they did in this one is what they're trying to do in Iron Man two, where it was just him struggling with anxiety and his inner demons. But he was still a good guy because he'd changed for the better. And they just did it sloppily in the last movie. And then I think they kind of redid it, but did it really well in this movie. So you you're not as big of a comic book guy as like me or Ricky or even BJ. So do you, do you know who the Mandarin is outside of this movie? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna ask what what you thought of the twist. So I guess you, you still have a good opinion on that. What do you think of the the Mandarin twist? I liked it. It was very unexpected. I liked it more the second time, or I liked it more the first time going around. I think I'm sure there's some there's more to it if if I were to get into the comic books, um. But it it almost seemed out of place. Almost I don't know. It was weird, but it yeah, wasn't it, bad. In the comic books, he's kind of like he's kind of like the the kingpin, the Wilson Fisk, but of like the the ancient Chinese voodoo stuff, and he has these ten rings. That's where the Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings comes from. Mandarin has these Ten Rings of Power. And they're not like these floating bands. Like in that, I did not like Shang-Chi. I did not like, not like that portrayal. But the bad guy in Shang-Chi is supposed to kind of be more like the Mandarin, which is why he captures Trevor Slattery. Spoiler alert. But a lot of people really hated that because Mandarin's one of like the biggest Marvel bad guys. And I really loved it because I, I always like when Marvel like, try like pretends like they're going to do fan service and then just flips it on its head. And like, I love that in Dr. Strange. And I love that twist here, but let's get into the huh. questions. Unless you have another point. Nope. Cool. What's your first award for the night? Okay. I'm going to, this, this bugged me throughout the whole movie. So I'm going to go with She-Hulk award for answers to questions that don't need to be asked. Okay. 
well, actually, I'm just going to ask a question that doesn't need to be asked. And I don't know the answer. Maybe you have the answer. <laughs> is how, how do you kill these guys? Like, like we're just, I'm, I was watching the movie and there's like, these guys are getting exploded and they don't die. And then they get exploded and they die. Or they're shot with Iron Man's energy blast and they die. And then they're shot with Iron Man's energy blast and they don't die. Yeah, like the same guy got blasted in the head and survived. Yeah. Got blasted like, in the chest and then he did die. And then uh, Tony explodes a microwave on one girl and she dies. But the other guy survived an, ex- an explosion from another extremist guy. Like that's right. It's, it's not really consistent. Yeah, that's a good question, and I have no answer. I it's <laughs> you can't argue with the plot sometimes, but that one it's kind of a not really a plot hole. It's just kind of frustrating. Okay, I've got three questions. I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna just gonna go all three because I like all three of these questions. So when Tony snuck onto the complex in Miami, so he sneaks in with like these these like Walmart grade weaponry. But why after after he killed the first guy, why didn't he take his gun? And start using that. Did that <laughs> That's bother a you? Good too? question. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I did not that in particular. It kind of bothered me that um, he didn't make something cooler than what he did. Like all he, all he had was that little uh, trank gun that he threw away after using once, and his little little uh, one use uh, energy blast shooter. I'm like, you're Tony Stark. You could come up with something a little better. Yeah. See, I I loved that. Like there's a lot of that. I'm going to talk about that later with the fights, but I love the little tinkering his way to winning instead of just using his Iron Man suit. And I loved all of that, but I didn't understand why I didn't use his gun. I think it's just straightly straight pride. It's like, hey, I built all these cool gadgets. I'm not going to use a freaking gun and just like waste all these little gadgets I created. That's just straight up yeah. classic Tony Stark pride. Uh, so next question that doesn't need to be answered or answered to question that doesn't need to be asked. Next stupid She-Hulk question. Uh, so Stark distracts, I don't know if you remember this, but Trevor Slattery, fake Mandarin, he's got his guards, he's hanging out, uh, and Stark comes in and distracts them wearing an iron, wearing the Iron Man suit. And then Rhodey jumps through the window and shoots both the guards. But Tony's in an Iron Man suit, Rhodey's not. <laughs> so why did Rhodey put himself in harm's way just for theatrics? <laughs> that is a good question. Yeah. I think he's been itching for a for a cool story ever since he was just not part of the battle for New York, which comes back into play in Age of Ultron when he's talking about the. You remember that he drops the tank in. He's like, "Boom, you looking for this yeah. or whatever he said." And yeah. I think he's been itching for a cool story the entire the entire run of the Avengers. I feel like like whenever you watch Rhodey, I I, I feel like you always get that vibe that he's just he just wants to be recognized and everybody ignores him. Yeah, because for. You know, twenty years, Rhodey was the cool guy between him and him and Stark. He was the badass. He was the the soldier and the the colonel. And then all of a right. sudden, the nerd Tony Stark makes a suit and he is the ultra powerful superhero. I think Rhodey's a little a little butthurt about that. And I also, am... where did uh where did Tony learn to fight? Like, that's something that I always wonder watching these movies. Is like he's a nerd. Like he's probably super awkward, physically awkward, but he just. See, that's something I loved in this movie. First of all, I don't think he, like he's an engineering nerd, so he builds stuff with his hands. So he's still he's kind of jacked. He knows what he's doing. Have you ever have you ever met an engineer? Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a difference between weird. there's a difference between like a computer engineer and a, like a a guy who builds <laughs> robots. Engineer builds them by hand. Uh, there's a huge engineer is a huge swath of people. That kind of engineer, I understand why they'd be jacked, but they show him like. Well, first of all, in the second one, they see you got the little boxing ring in his training. So I think that once he became Iron Man, he's like, I got to learn how to actually fight. He started taking little Krav Maga classes. Anybody can do, can do that. You can do that if you wanted to. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to fight five guys at once, though. Suit or no suit. All right, next next award. We're going with the Ragnarok Award for Character Cinematic Peak. Now, I almost said happy because this is his first time as like a main character. Um, like he's actually like a buddy of Tony rather than just the employee, the 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 bodyguard of Iron Man, like he was in the first couple. But he definitely peaks in the Spider-Man trilogy, so it's not happy. I think Rhodey peaks here, but Endgame might be giving some pushback. Like he's as funny as ever, and this is the first time we see him in like real legitimate action as a soldier, which we didn't really see in the previous couple movies, not just War Machine. So I'm giving it to Rhodey. He peaks here. What do you think? Yeah, I think if anybody were to get it, it would be Rhodey. I don't know if I could give this 
to anybody. Um, part of me wants to give it to Iron Man just because RDJ was so good in this movie and Iron Man was he, he just did such a fantastic job, but he did that in every movie. I mean, I don't I don't know See, if I could give you could give it to Robert Downey Jr. I don't think you can give it to Tony though, because he's going through so much mental anguish. Like him as a character, I don't think he's speaking here. Yeah, I guess that's what I meant was RDJ as the actor, because I just think it, like his acting in this, like it almost seems like Tony Stark was the actor, not RDJ. Yeah, but, I think this um, is but this as the, far as this is the time he became like quintessential all time cinematic great. I think this yeah. was around the time post Avengers, and then he's kind of kind of there. You definitely can't give it to um, Tony. Def- definitely not Pepper. Yeah, like she was this I mean, awesome businesswoman in the second one, and the third one, she's just some girl that's crushing on a bad guy. I that was I thought that was lame. I mean, like you said, uh, this was really the the first time that we saw um, Rhodey in action as an actual, you know, soldier who knows soldier things and can shoot really well and kill a lot of people. And I really liked that. Um, like you said, he was really funny. So yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Giving that to Rhodey. Cool, let's give it to Rhodey. All right, you are you got next pick. I'm gonna give probably the easiest award to cheesiest fight scene slash best fight scene slash worst fight scene uh it was very clearly the last fight scene of the movie it was supposed to be the climax that fight scene sucked i hate yeah, it almost so ruined much. this movie i know and i like you said kind of at the beginning um i think that's why a lot of people really don't like this movie or say they don't like this movie is because that fight scene sucks so much and that was supposed to be the climax and it was just everything about it was dumb yeah i i think that they were trying like they just thought it'd be so cool to see a bunch of ai iron man flying around but it was just I, it was it was lame and usually i'm a big fan of the of the like big group of people fighting big group of people but it was just i don't just something like there was no heart in it it was just cheesy and they had weird music going along with it it just felt like some kind of, I don't know, like Michael it Bay movie. Like, just way too yeah. many explosions and not enough actual almost fighting. Like a fight se- yeah, almost like a fight scene from a musical or something. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. It was yeah. weird. And then Pepper has superpowers for a second. Uh, it was just lame. I did not. I did not like anything about that scene. Like really no. after, I think the movie after the, uh, after he saves all the people from the, when they're falling out of the airplane, he does the, uh, what do you call it? monkeys in a barrel? Like I love that scene. After that scene, it goes straight downhill. <laughs> yeah, but how did the how did their arms not get pulled out of their sockets? You know, like gravity. it's like you know, it's it's like it's like flying, and then it's like flying up, and then it flies. Yeah, it's gravity. Science, yeah. science. science. It's just science based. You don't you know, you don't get it. You don't get it. <laughs> so we both agree. Last fight scene, cheesiest fight scene. What do you got for best fight scene? I know I was kind of ragging on it earlier, but the when Tony is kind of un, undercover incognito, I I like that fight scene. I think I think mostly I like I like that fight scene because every time I see him throw that uh, Christmas ornament bomb, I I don't know why that I love love that part so much. Maybe it's because it's a Christmas Christmas movie like Die Hard is. Yeah, Quote, that's a really interesting Christmas movie. But I'm gonna interrupt that because that's a really interesting part of this movie. It was released in the summer. But it had a very Christmas theme. I think that's something I liked a lot about it. It just like made it feel a little more jolly, and it made it feel way more lighthearted than the huge stakes of Avengers. So that was that was a, a cool little addition that I liked having it around Christmas time. But keep going with the the the, the fight scene. Well, I was just saying I like that I like that fight scene because it was unique. It was something different. It wasn't the same old uh, Tony Iron Man fight scene. Yeah, that's I like three of the. I guess what five or six fight scenes in the movie, three of them are Tony like tinkering his way to win rather than just overpowering the bad guys with a super powerful suit. Like, you know, Jerry rigging a bomb in, in Rose Hill in that little restaurant scene using the ill prepared suit that just wasn't ready to be fighting yet to protect mm-hmm. his house in Malibu. And then I wrote Walmart grade technology to fight his way into Miami. Like I love all those <laughs> scenes. Um, I'm going with the, the role, the, the, the Tennessee fight scene 
when he um, is being attacked by the woman, he explodes her with that cheesy line that I'm going to get to in a second because I love that line. <laughs> and then he, uh, what's what's his name? Harvey? Harney? Harley? Little, little boy? The kid? Do you remember Oh, shoot. Name? I don't. I wrote it down. I want to say Harley. I want to say Harley, but I don't know. It's either Harley or Harvey. Something keener. A little keener kid. He does the flash grenade thing, and then he shoots him right in the head because he always yeah. covers his ass. I, I love that scene, like top to bottom. Yeah, that was a good scene. I I, I love how uh, that scene really kind of demonstrated how Tony's always thinking, you know, like his, his, those wheels in his head are always turning about what to do next. Like the, the whole microwave thing. I can't think of anybody in the world who would have thought, obviously he's a fictional character, the but best- I can't, I can't think of anybody else that would have thought to instantly create a bomb using a microwave and a leftover what was a fork or a dog tag or something that, that he found in there? Yeah, the dog tags. The best part, though, is that he had that little blaster in his wrist, but he kept it up his sleeve, literally and figuratively, because he knew he had a chance in that fight using the microwave and all the random stuff to win that fight. It was only when he, he's like, you know, back to the wall. There's a guy standing in front of him. He's about to die. That's the only right. time he pulls out that that last resort of the little Django Unchained flip. Django Unchained. You get that reference? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I'm up next. I'm going to go with poorly aged CGI. I only have one thing here. Really, the the last fight was kind of bad CGI, but what it boils down to is all the little fire-breathing weirdos. They all looked so freaking bad. They looked like (laughs) a CW version of Mephisto. Like when Killian is threatening Rhodey and he just blows out the fire. (laughs) First of all, that, that scene was, was kind of funny. That scene was kind of funny because we're all like, he can do that. And then Rhodey's like, he can do that. <laughs> He's like the right? exact Lord. And that, <laughs> that was funny, but it looked so hideous. I did not like that. I'm going to go with Hawkeye Award for most unex- unexpectedly inspiring moment. Um, and I don't know what you put down for this. And you might disagree with me, but I really found that that scene where Tony, uh, where uh, Tony's driving and uh, he's on the phone with the kid and um, you know, the, the Tony's like, what's my suit at? And the kid's like, it's not charging. And Tony stops because he's having a panic, t- panic attack and he gets out of the car. And he's just sitting there like freaking out. And the kid calms him down and gets him back in the car. I, f- I thought that that was my most. I had the same moment. thing. That's hilarious. Really? I thought I had a that really awesome. good, I thought I had a really good pick there, but you, I, I specifically like the line when he's freaking out, Tony's freaking out. And the kid says, you're a mechanic, right? Why don't you just build something? And then Tony stops breathing heavy immediately. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you, kid. Yeah. Like that's exactly how anxiety attack works. Like it's got the best of you. You're just wrecked. You can't beat it. And then you're like, oh, wait, I'll just do what I'm best at. And then I'll be fine. Right. So that's, I, that's I lo- so funny that we went that same direction. Yeah. That most of funny. the inspiring moments, most of the inspiring moments are like, oh, I can be a hero. But this one's just, yeah, you can, you're fine. Just keep going. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I, I kind of, I like, I love this movie because it really exemplifies, it really plays into that human character of the, of the, um, of the hero where he's, you know, he's messing with brain stuff. Like he's got these mental issues that we all deal with and, some people more than others, but it just, it really showed that no matter how strong you are, obviously you're going to, you're going to get screwed up at some point. And sometimes it's just some random line from a kid that'll help you get on your feet. But you know, yeah, that's the best part of this movie. Like I think I might've said this earlier, but I think the, I might've said that this is the best, but the second best part is all the little Jerry rigging fights that Tony had. I loved all those, but the best part was that it, was like this kind of debriefing for us from Avengers where we, that's, you know, it was the highest grossing MCU movie of all time up to that point. Avengers was, it's the first time a lot of people had come to see these superhero movies. So it's just this epic, huge thing. And then Iron Man three just really grounded it back down. It's like, it's only about Tony, like the extremist stuff. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's a very low level plot. It's not very high stakes. Like, yeah, terrorism. It's not, great <laughs> but in in the in universe stakes it's pretty low um but it's all about tony and his inner demons and i just love that that was the highlight of this movie and that's that's why i no, really like and, this movie and that's um that's one of those things that some of these recent movies i don't like as much because 
they really get past that, you know, low level neighborhood threat and character development into this whole universe plot where everything is a, you know, every bad guy is threatening the danger of our universe. Yeah, everything's I, I really, an Avengers level threat now and nothing's just a low level right? I, bad guy right? in, a, in a heartfelt story. You know, I, I talked to you about this last time when we talked about where we were doing Iron Man 2 about how much I love Spider-Man Homecoming, the first Spider-Man movie, because it's pretty similar. It's just this low-level bad guy that really nobody else cares about. But we all, but while fighting, we see all this character development and we see more into what it's like to be a superhero and how to handle that and, and, all, and all that. Yeah. And that's what this movie did re- really, really well. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of low stakes. Uh, you picked that one. I am next. We're going to go with <laughs> uh, Taika Waititi Award for Funniest Moment. Um, so I'm going to kind of go from the, from. I'll start with the honorable mentions. The henchman who runs away when he's, uh, he pulls a gun on Tony and he's like, oh, dude, these are so funny. weird. I'm done. That was really, really funny. Cause you know, that was my funniest moment. <laughs> okay. I stole it from you. I'm sorry. But for all of like cinematic history, we're just waiting for that, right? That like one right? that's like, I don't want to be here. I'm like a contractor. I didn't know what they were doing. I just want to go home now. This is getting super weird. Um, so that that was just so funny. The first time we saw the the Mandarin twist, when it turns out he's just this druggy, alcoholic, freaking weirdo <laughs> actor. That was so, so funny the first go around. Um, it wasn't as funny the next few times, like because you know, you're expecting it, it's not a twist anymore. But the first time like, expecting this comic accurate Mandarin and then running into him. That was so, so funny. The first time, especially with the um, accent <laughs> that yeah. just floored me. Yeah. Um, and then just all the little fights about the big rabbit. Those were hilarious. After he gave out his address to the, uh, to the bad guys. And he's like, okay, there's oh, stuff yeah. coming. We're in lockdown, but then they're just arguing with the giant bunny sitting there. It's like, I, you never even said you liked it. Uh, that was so <laughs> funny, but by far the funniest line, I think one of the funniest lines in all the MCU movies, my dad left to go get scratchers. He must have won because he never came back. <laughs> Silence. That's not the funny part. I'm glad you thought that was funny. But <laughs> Tony says, which happens? Dad's leave. No reason to be pussy about it. That was so, so funny because it was just set up for this cheesy emotional moment. And then boom. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny mildly inspiring as well yeah you stole my funniest moment i was (laughs) gonna say the i was gonna say where the the henchman runs away too just because you know it's all this serious fighting you see tony kind of deal with a a stupid not or non-functional suit and then all of a sudden it's just this one guy running away i just i don't know i love those sudden changes in uh like sudden changes in feel of the movie you know where it's like serious and then all of a sudden it's yeah, because no, we just yeah, uh, it's funny. We just saw um that Pepper was kidnapped by Killian and injected. So it's like a serious moment and it's like immediately yeah. back to action and then comedy. I've thought about this a lot, but I, I don't know that I've ever said it. But like every single movie has Iron Man, has Tony Stark with an Iron Man suit that doesn't work right at some point. It's like literally every single Iron Man movie, every single Avengers movie too. Like next time you watch it, there's some situation where he's more vulnerable because his suit for some reason got hurt. Like in the first one, he's got like, I'm not gonna go through all them, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was a big part of this one. Like twice he's working with suits that aren't totally functional. So I'm going to go with Eternals Award for could this have been a limited series? And I am going to say yes. Because I would love a series where we see Tony use these different suits against just real low-level bad guys, even if they're like bank robbers or something. I really want to see these all of his little tinkering suits in action more. Okay, so you think it could have been a limited series with a different plot or at least a few extra scenes yes. of that kind of? Yeah. Like yes. maybe starting um, out with him yeah, as I- a hero. Yeah, doing... if if he if he started out with Tony as a hero and you you started off you know where he's talking about tinkering and you show all of these, um, you show all these suits and then I like whether whether or not it's several episodes of him fighting the Mandarin and fighting Killian with these different suits and using using them in different manners you know or whether that he you're, he's 
just, you know, comedically showing how to use these suits in odd situations like Ooh, mountain climbing idea. or something or cave climbing. It would have been a great, like, maybe 40-second montage scene of just cutting to different, like, some fights, some, like you're saying, rock climbing or just, you know, dusting the ceiling or whatever. Just a bunch of different yeah, montages right? of him, like, talking to Rody or Pepper or somebody about how each suit is useful for different things. That would have been really, really funny. And yeah. it also would have worked in TV show. I said this 100% not only could it have been, it would have been a limited series if it came out in this time. Like, it's low stakes. It's emotionally driven just like all the other um, shows so far, right? They're very low stakes. They're all about the emotions of the character more so than saving the world. It's more about his internal struggles rather than who the big bad guy actually is. Yeah, you clearly have a deeper interpretation of that, but that is, I mean, that's 100% accurate. I mean, you you look at all of these shows that are coming out and I'm sure, you know, when you start releasing these podcasts and people start listening to them six months, a year in advance, that we're, we're going to see this even more. Yeah. But, um, I mean, like you said, all, all of these shows, they're, they're driven by character development and they're driven yeah. by looking at a deeper perspective of what these heroes go through on a day-to-day basis. And this, this definitely could have worked into that. And I think it would have been, would have been awesome had they done that. Yeah. So that's all the sign. That's all like the screenwriter sign, the screenplay sign that it would have fit there but also just like visually every scene is like a vastly different setting like you got you know tennessee and then you're in miami and then you're in uh wherever they were at the end fighting the big bad guys like it just it just hops to a lot of different vastly different settings so that would have been a really good like this episode's in this setting just kind of like how loki was you know what i mean right yeah and not to yeah that would have been cool too but um not to get like super emotional or deep i guess i'm not getting super emotional or deep or anything but it would have been really cool if they could have used this movie to kind of um, show what it's like to, you know, if if you were to expand it into a limited series, you could really show more of what it's like to go through anxiety um, as somebody who people don't normally think of would have anxiety. You know, right now we're kind of going through this whole mental health awareness, especially with, you know, professional athletes coming out and talking about their struggles. I think it really could have been a a very good thing for, you know, teenagers and young adults to watch and not necessarily with the purpose of learning how to deal with their mental illnesses and mental health problems. But, you know, it would have been really cool to see someone actually work through that on a much higher level than just an hour and a half, two hour movie. Yeah, that's um yeah, I'm I'm actually gonna go straight from that into age is the best and worst because I wrote that down. But that ages somewhat well, somewhat poorly that they did cover like anxiety and mental illness ten years ago when it wasn't necessarily plastered all over social media and like positive. I mean that's a good thing that it is, like you're saying athletes and movies are all about it. Um, but now it definitely would have would have been more intentional about taking next steps. Like you would have seen Tony go to actual therapy at the end or um, and, more friends yeah. reach out to him, stuff like that. Like it would have been really intentional about trying to trying to help it and trying to fix it. Um, and then a couple of other things, age, age, good and bad. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with best. This is the first time after like, because Avengers happened. This is the first time in a solo, in a solo movie where superheroes are like celebrities. They're supremely popular. Um, it's kind of an important part of this movie that, Tony has this now, like after being playboy, philanthropist, etc. Now he's also a superhero. And that's a whole new heavier hat to wear. Um, and that's a really good reason it fits into the MCU. It's a debriefing of Avengers and telling the the story of a celebrity who's struggling with anxiety, which is basically what the story is. A really important celebrity struggling with anxiety. The popularity of superheroes ages really, really well. Um, and then for worse, I didn't have anything large scale. Um, kind of the fact that they don't really make mention of other superheroes that doesn't really happen anymore in solo movies like there's always some mention of another superhero and where they are why uh, well I guess we'll get to that in the Captain Marvel award why what character isn't here Um, but one thing that ages kind of poorly PC wise Tony steals the poncho uh, poncho or whatever from a Native American statue and he says I just stole a poncho off an Indian it's like oh big red flag you would not be saying Indian 2020 <laughs> the cleveland guardians know what i'm talking about did you just say 2020 what year is it 
<laughs> Almost 2023, my guy. Oh, wow. 2022 is so burdensome to say. So cumbersome. 2022. What do you have for what age is best and worst? I didn't really have anything that aged that aged super poorly. Um, but this movie, I think it's it's like the first modern, like MCU movie, after Avengers. It's the first yeah, modern I, not Avengers. Yeah, uh, MCU yeah. movie. And it this is the first. I think there. I kind of look at. I know there's four phases. I, I look at it in three categories. There, you know, there's the intro. Um, Marvel movie, there's intro MCU movies that led up to Avengers. And then after Avengers, there was a group of really, really freaking good movies that it seemed like everyone just got better and better and better. And that's where they really had direction. And then Endgame hit. And then after that, movie quality, I think, has gone down slightly. And I think they, I'm sure they had direction, but it seemed slightly directionless for a little bit. And I think this was the first movie it might actually be the first movie in phase two um but i think it's the first movie first movie i think well that makes sense because i think this is the first movie where they really started getting really good and every movie just started building on each other a lot yeah and this was the first movie that was in production when disney owned the company so you still see the paramount logo because um that was just part of the deal that they made with disney that they have to have the logo first the paramount logo um, but this was the first movie once that direction was really firmed out because even Avengers was being created without Disney's intervention yet. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. But something something that I thought aged well was that, uh, in a sense, you can you can be the judge. But um, I forget what scene it is, but there's a scene where Tony's suit essentially blows up and you see his helmet fall and there's like flames coming up through the eyes. And it's like, that kind of was like, foreshadowing to some of the to some of the future movies where i forget who it was but somebody gets their mind taken over and they see all these you know avengers dying and yeah see that was, tony's suit no that was tony's dream when he saw all the avengers dead so he was the only one he didn't see dead in age of ultron but or you but might yeah, also I, be mixing that up with uh zombie iron man in uh far from home remember that yeah i like two two different scenes far there, from yeah. home. one of uh uh, Mysterio's little tricks on Peter Parker. Oh yeah, okay, I remember that. Yeah, but I mean, I I remember there being, I distinctly remember there being multiple times where we see like a broken down, dead Iron Man suit, or like the the beginning of Endgame, end of Infinity War, where where we just see a suit sitting there, or his helmet sitting there, broken and. Oh, that's actually a up. good point. When you see, yeah, when he's using his at the beginning of Endgame when he's using his helmet as a little recording device and it's kind of the, you see him dying before Captain Marvel saves them um, and you see yeah. the, the little helmets in there. I, I did like that scene though when you see the, the little flames coming out and you're like, okay, is this guy actually still alive? This is really stupid. That's the only way they could have made that last scene worse is by making him actually survive that and have his living head X-Men origin <laughs> style still survive. Um, but I mentioned Captain Marvel, so we're going to go into the Captain Marvel Award. I think this is yours to pick, but I'm going <laughs> to... We're going to Captain Marvel Award because I'm excited to talk about this one. This is one I've always been really passionate about. Let me find it. So Captain Marvel Award for the character that inexplicably didn't help save the world. So the President of the United States is in danger, and Captain America just doesn't help yep. out. He's, what, chilling in right? Brooklyn? Yep. Like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> Now, you could say that about all the Avengers, because, like, why didn't Stark pick up the phone and call one of his buddies for help? Just use a lifeline, man. But Captain America specifically, like, <laughs> bro, this is what you're made right? for. This is your job. Punch Nazis and save yep. our president. Yeah, that I think it, it almost would have been a better uh, fit for Captain America to have been the, the hero that saves the president, considering he's, you know, the military. <laughs> yeah, but. and it's not like he wasn't available because he... Chris Evans was in Thor the Dark World as some stupid cameo. He couldn't have made some appearance in, in this movie. I just thought that was... Like, obviously, you have to kind of put aside some of that because there's, you know, production costs and they wanna, stuff's got to fit right. But that was so egregious. Such an egregious Captain Marvel award. Yeah. I, I would have... I don't know. I would have liked it... A, I would have liked it if they just... Like, just some one-liner somewhere where they just explained where... Uh, Captain America was maybe it would have been one of our, you know, 
nitpick something that we tear apart, but just something to, to mention that he's unavailable at the current time to save the president of the United States from yeah, a like global terrorist to, threat. Like when he's talking to Rhodey in Miami, just like, hey, should we call Cap? And he's like, and Rhodey be like, uh, no, he's in Afghanistan right now hunting zombies or something. Even a lazy <laughs> right. explanation is better than just totally ignoring that this is part of the universe. Um, right. So that's your pick too, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was, that was going to be... My- yeah, that was going to be my pick. Um, yeah, and really, that's something that you could say ages poorly about this movie. I think you talked about it anyways, but we would never see that in today's movies. You know, nowadays, there's always the explanation. Yeah, the very generally some even lazy explanation. All right, so with my question, I think I'm going to choose the first Avenger award for best one-off character. And this isn't going to be a hero. But I really liked Killian. As, I really liked Killian as a villain. I thought he was. Um, I almost actually chose that as one of the things that thought aged poorly was Killian and the development of him. But I actually really liked him. Um, going back and looking, looking back after the movie, I thought he was. They did a, a decent job developing him, and I really appreciated that there was no redemption arc. I thought sometimes his uh. Fight scenes were obviously the end fight scene where he, I thought where he breathed fire was incredibly stupid and his fight scenes were kind of dumb. But as a villain, I thought, um, I thought he was good because he wasn't just like motivated with for evil, you know, he's trying to cover his butt. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a a good metric for bad guy, but I think that is definitely the wrong opinion. I love Guy Pierce. I hated this character so much. I thought there was just not enough development like they have the scene that builds him up as the bad guy. We don't get any insight into where he is. Like they're talking about covering. Like I, I like that that it's all about covering his butt. But you don't know like what his real end game is. And he had a really good plan of like, hey, I'm gonna hire an actor and pretend like this is a terrorist thing. Great plan. I just did not like that character at all. I thought he was very poorly developed and a great actor who I think was wasted in this role. Um, I think. First of all, Ben Kingsley is a fake Mandarin. He had this award like in the freaking bag until his little appearance in Shang-Chi because that disqualifies him as a one-off character. So our nominees, obviously you have Guy Pierce's Aldrich Killian. Not the best one-off character. You've got Rebecca Hall as Mai Hansen. Uh, Ty Simpkins is Harley Keener. I knew I wrote it down somewhere. Harley Keener. So he kind of appears in a cameo in Endgame. He's at the funeral. I think he still qualifies as a one-off character. But I give it to Maya Hansen. She's got an exciting reveal as like a bad guy. She's a bad guy. She's working with Killian and helping him make this make this ruse. But she's got sympathetic tendencies and she dies as a protagonist. So she plays her, she plays a character as like a smart and sexy and villainous and mysterious, like all at the same time. I thought she was really, really good in this role. Um, I can't believe you said all. I hated Killian so much in this movie. That's like really. My, if I was ranking, I think he'd probably be dead last in in bad guys. I I, I can't know, think I one, did no no uh, Malakith. I uh I or the Dark World bad guy way worse. I so hated um my Hanson. I thought that was a terrible character. So you had definitely what had the wrong opinion. Well, That's crazy. I'll, well, you never like she just flip flops so much. She's a good guy, and then she's a bad guy. She's only there to look hot and be pretty. She's the token hot girl, and the... <laughs> I don't think she's the token hot girl. I think I think she was awesome. No, I don't. I I would disagree because she added nothing to anything really. I thought she was a uh... yeah. yeah that, okay, that is fair that she didn't really play like if you. It's like Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you take Indiana Jones out, everything happens the same. If you take my Hansen out, everything happens the same. She doesn't really have any effect. But I, I just thought yeah. it was a really good character. Uh, I'm going to go with the Infinity Saga Award for the most frustrating MacGuffin. Now, this is the rare Phase 2 movie lacking Infinity Stones, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, there wasn't really much of MacGuffins in this one. Like Stark was uncovering the secrets of AIM and Killian with all those little dossiers and and like the manila folder is a classic classic MacGuffins. he has to go through to figure all out, figure it all out it's a classic like espionage film MacGuffin. but i can't really say it's frustrating because they never spent too much time on it and all we really see is tony filling in all the details so i thought that yeah. was a clear 
obvious MacGuffin, but I thought it was well done, not overdone. And, and I'm sure you'll probably disagree with me, but I kind of thought the whole Pepper getting fire breather status. Oh, uh, yeah, was, no. I, th- I thought that was a terrible MacGuffin. I hated that because it didn't need to happen. It was, yeah, that, he just, that's what I'm saying. Had he just, had he just kidnapped her or, and, you know, threatened her and held her as his trophy without trying to almost kill her. I, I, I thought that was dumb to have. Yeah. I just thought that whole, that whole process was stupid and unnecessary and it just kind of created confusion. Yeah. That was part of this. I guess that was before the point I said where it goes down home after this point, but that was part of the, it just, it, I did not like that part. It, it like, it seemed like it was going to lead to more stuff and then it wasn't, it was just supposed to be some sort of incentive for Tony, but like, he's already got incentive. Like we're good. You don't need to throw us down another rabbit hole. I didn't like right. that. Okay, I'm going to go pick a nit. When Killian gets Rhodey's suit, right? Killian gets off of him. And then we think that Killian is operating it autonomously, but we find out that he's actually one of the Killian's main henchmen. I forget his name. Um, He's operating the Iron Patriot suit on the plane, right? On uh, Air Force One. But then he captures the president and puts the president in it. And then clearly they're operating that suit autonomously, kind of like a drone, right? The president wasn't flying that suit at that point in time. A, because he probably didn't know how. And B, he wouldn't have gone where he did and done what he did if oh, he yeah. had control of that suit, right? Yeah. But then but then immediately after that, so clearly they had control over the, over the suit. They had an autonomous control over the suit. Well, then immediately Rhodey gets the suit back and can control it just fine without having – Killian or the bad guys mess with the controls at all. Like, See, I thought about, about that. I thought about that, but they like obviously AIM has control of the suit because they did the developments. They kind of it was they kind of brushed over that, but AIM did the developments on the Iron Patriot suit, so that's why they were able to have control. And then Tony hacked back in. I won't say hack because Tony didn't like saying hack, but um, he was able to. I, I'm just I guarantee they have some kind of manual override on those suits. So I think when he got to the suit and he knew it was infected. He was able to do like, I don't know, pull a plug or something. I I thought about that too, but there's just probably some kind of manual override. That's still a good nick because they didn't mention it and it was just kind of gloss past. Just something that it's, it's just one of those things that it means nothing. And it's one of those things that doesn't degrade movie quality at all. But when you really think about it, it's like, that's just, it just bugs me. Yeah. That's what the nick is It really for. shouldn't, but yeah. Um, I've got three nits. One, so Slattery said that he didn't know anybody was hurt. He said that when uh, uh, in this in Stark's second second interaction with Slattery, when Rhodey started threatening him with a gun, um, but did he, did he not shoot the Roxxon oil accountant? Because he shot him live on TV, and it was Slattery that was yeah doing it. So I guess what did they have a green screen and Slattery was standing in front of nobody? I, you I know think, that I was, like, that's a good I, point. I I thought about that too. You know, like he had to have known that he had a gun or something. There was a dude. I don't know. Yeah, like how ignorant can he be? Obviously, he's driven by drugs and stuff. But so I, I can understand not understanding the terrorism aspect. But how do you then like he shot the guy, right? He had to have shot that guy. He had to have. Yeah. Uh, second one. There's a lot of implausibly perfect timing. Like uh, <laughs> Stark just happens to walk into some Chattanooga bar at the same time the bad guy is meeting with the same person Tony's looking for. That's just implausibly perfect timing. Um, the house blows up. The Malibu house blows up right when Maya Hansen walks in. What great timing. And then the guy that, uh, I, I don't remember, that, the, the bald bad guy, when he meets the guy who explodes and hurts Happy, he only explodes right when Happy gets there. Just impl- I, I am such a, I, I do not like when timing is too perfect in movies, and that happens a lot in Marvel movies. But the big one. Why didn't he get that surgery like a long freaking time ago if it was yeah. just an option? Now, I thought about this and I kind of debunked it. Like, it's kind of like when you know it would take 20 minutes to clean your whole house, but you put it off for three weeks and instead just live in misery and filth. But it's like it would just be a really easy fix. It just were procrastinators as people. But it does kind of go back to Iron Man 2. I put this as more of a flaw in Iron Man 2. Like, if he was truly getting poisoned by his arc reactor, he could have gotten that surgery. If it got yeah. to that point, 
Yeah, that's a good one. Um, part of me wonders, you know, with clearly Iron Man has been dealing with some mental health issues, and you got to imagine as as confident as he is, there's there's I'm sure some self identity issues in there when you become something completely different and you save the world, and then now you have all of this pressure on you. Part of me wonders if that chess piece was mentally part of him. If he like he was mentally. Just so attached- the yeah, identity he, of Iron Man that it was part of him physically exactly. he didn't want to get rid of it yeah that's interesting. like if he if he mentally just couldn't get past that because he thought that that was what made him Iron Man that was what made him who he was that is a genius I like that that was a great answer uh I'm gonna go with the Iron I am Iron Man award for the best single line I love this line right before he blows up the woman with the microwave he says I've dated chicks harder than you just some cheesy line and then she says, that's all you got? A cheap trick and a cheesy one-liner? And he says, honey, that could, yes. be the, that could be the title of my autobiography. I love that line. It's not even close. Yes, that's that's what I was when I was watching that. I forgot that going back and doing this podcast, I forgot that, that line. But as I was watching that movie, I remember thinking, that's going to be my answer because that, that line was so funny. Yeah. And then I'm going to tag team that with, the Age of Ultron award for this was way cooler after seeing the next five movies. How did Tony save the universe if not through a cheap trick and a cheesy one-liner? <laughs> he snuck up with the with you know the his own like the iron gauntlet and stole it. That's a cheap trick. And then I am at Iron Man cheesy one-liner. So seeing that again, I like that was not one of my favorite lines. I don't think I even registered it until I saw Endgame. And then going through again, it's like, that is like the greatest line ever because it totally encapsulates the character. It, it defines how he's going to win. Yeah, I never put that together. That's awesome. That's yeah. And it's funny because like you watch Iron Man and that's that's everything about what he does is cheap tricks and cheesy one-liners. Yeah. And that's what makes him so relatable. Exactly. So I guess we kind of went into the Age of Ultron Award. Do you have another another selection for that uh age of ultron award for this was way cooler after seeing the next five movies i don't think that there was anything i i guess maybe just for me it was the entire plot um when i first saw iron man 3 the uh anxiety behind being an avenger like obviously it was a major part of the plot but it didn't quite hit home i guess now as a 21 year old who moved halfway across the country and has has had all these problems now you know dealing with anxiety and things like that that hits home more but then also that has been uh more of a kind of a stressed point in some of these more recent movies like in um spider-man or in uh actually i want to touch on that because that was a great point with spider-man in far from home when Peter's talking about how he can never be Tony. And Happy's like, yeah, you're right. Nobody can be Tony. Tony couldn't be Tony. He struggled. He he uh, went back on himself, yada, yada, and just kind of touching on the mental illness. And that's probably in direct relation with Iron Man 3. Like, that's yeah. probably what the character has. Exactly. Thinking exactly. mostly about. So that, that was actually a really good point. Um, so I had, so that I'm stealing from you. And then the cheap trick and a cheesy one-liner. That was a great callback. But I don't, I don't even know if that was an intentional callback or if it was just accurate to the character in a way that made it seem like a callback. But uh, another, a little throwaway one. This is the first time we see uh, the early version of the Iron Legion that we see in um, pretty much just Age of Ultron, I guess, when that's kind of like the henchmen of the, of the uh, Avengers. They're helping protect the city. We had no like we had no idea how important these AI Iron Men would be at the end of Iron Man three, and then they became an important part of the Avengers. Yeah, I kind of uh, that's one of those things that you wish you would have saw more of, like going into Endgame or uh, I mean Infinity War or Endgame. You really would have thought that you saw more of these AI um, AI suits. You know, that was Obviously, the intention with Tony. That was the intention with uh, Ultron. Ultron was supposed to be the head of the Iron Legion, and then it, it it backfired. And then he wanted to build a suit of armor around the world, and Captain America wouldn't let them. And that's 
what started leading toward their breakdown. So like if it were up to Tony, it would have been a huge part and would have stopped the alien invasion in an in infinity war. Um, and then of course we see them, this was kind of a throwaway, but did you notice them in Doctor Strange multiverse of madness? I was confusing the Spider-Man title with the uh, Spider-Man multiverse <laughs> of madness. Um, multiverse of the, uh, the Illuminati used Ultron, which is basically the iron Legion, the mm-hmm. successful version of the iron Legion as their henchman. All right. Um, I don't have any missed opportunities. Do you have any missed opportunities? Uh, yes, I did have a missed opportunity. Brad okay. Brad Pitt should have played the bad guy. Should've, Brad should've Pitt should have played the bad guy. Yeah. That's so funny. And the, the only reason I say that was the first time I watched the movie, I thought it was Brad Pitt. So oh, really? that's the only reason. That that's Yeah, that's the only reason I say that. But I think Guy Pierce is like, uh, he's he's great value brad pitt i do love yeah. guy pierce but you know brad pitt okay i've got a lot of good uses trivia so let's get into this now it's time for useless trivia so uh rdj pushed for gwyneth paltrow to have more action scenes and feige approved she said that they're sick of the or he said that they're sick of the whole damsel in distress um cliche i get it i like it and I liked it in um, Endgame, but the execution in this movie was just not there. Uh, more trivia. Favreau said not directing. Let him have a little bit more fun with the character as an actor. Um, he said it was like being a grandparent. Like you don't have to change the diaper, but you still get to play with the babies. And I think that showed he was his character is way better in this movie than the previous, which is in the previous ones. It was basically like a director cameo. But in this movie, he was like one of the main characters. Um the original cut was three hours and 15 minutes. Honestly, I'd take it. This movie could use a little more fluff. Get rid of the last couple scenes and just add a couple more early ones. I would have taken that. Yeah, it'd this be... really is one of the few movies where you where you really could add more and it'd be better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think a lot of the early ones could have been longer. Um, and then they started going longer recently and it's paying off. It works well. This was the second MCU movie to hit $1 billion. Now it happens like two or three times a year. Happened three times in 2019. That's insane. Um, what what three movies are that in 2019? Captain Marvel, uh, Endgame, which hit $2.8 And then um, Far From Home. Oh, geez. All of those are good movies. Yeah, they are good movies. And then 2018 had two. Uh, I have too many random useless facts in my head. But the budget went from 140 million to 200 million after Avengers was released. So there's a lot more faith in the character from the studio. Uh, in the comic books, AIM was an offshoot of Hydra, which was Shield's. AIM was Shield's counterpart in the modern era, whereas Hydra was the older counterpart. And they definitely switched that up for this. Uh, the comic book Iron Patriot was an alias of Norman Osborn. Uh, in this, Feige said that it seemed logical for the in-universe government as a response to the Avengers, like they need a superhero, like a, a government superhero now too, not just civilians and international agencies. The government needs a superhero. So I thought that made sense. Um, but it, originally in the comics, it was Norman Osborn, AKA Green Goblin. Killian's tattoos are of Fin Fang Foom, who's a comic bad guy. Uh, this one I liked, Tony's name tag on New Year's Eve when he's drunk. It says, you know who I am. That was his longtime Twitter bio kind of funny right that is funny uh this is the first iron man appearance with no acdc uh this is a really good one though i was really excited about this one so the original post credit scene was iron man blasting off into space to meet guess guess who he was going to meet in space 2013 peter quill yes meet the guardians of the galaxy he was supposed to have a cameo in that movie but it was scrapped because uh, rdj said he might retire after this role and that was up until the film's release. That was what we thought was going to happen. At least what I thought was going to happen. Iron Man was going to be done, like done in the MCU after 2013. Of course, he did five more movies in the next six years. So the rest is history. That would have been cool to see him meet Peter Quill. Because they, the first, they never appeared in any of the post-credit scenes, right? Their first actual appearance was their movie. Yeah, they, yeah, we knew nothing about the Guardians of the Galaxy until... Interesting. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So big question. Can you skip it in your MCU rewatch? I'll let you go first. No. It it depends on how you look at this. Um 
if so if you're trying to get to get through as many movies as possible or as few movies as possible to understand the next movie you realistically you could probably skip this movie um however if you're rewatching the MCU because you enjoy the movies and you want to watch good movies and you really want to understand character development no you can't skip this movie i think this movie really um we see a lot of character development from Tony. We really see his attachment to Pepper um, really sink in in this movie. We see him um, understand more uh, consequences of his actions, and that's what leads to him in Endgame originally not wanting to, not wanting to participate because, like he said, he wanted to gain what he lost, but he couldn't lose what he found. He ha- he had found a family. Um, in his child with Pepper and based on the, his previous experiences, mostly in this movie, he didn't want to put his family in harm's way again. And um, and we see maturity in Iron Man in later movies that was developed really through this movie. But in terms of what the question means, you probably could skip this movie and be fine watching some of the later movies. Yeah, I think he sold me a little bit because the character development and his his becoming a family man is really important. When it comes to the overarching story of the MCU, I think this is one of the most skippable movies. Like if, like I always say, like Avengers Endgame is coming out next week, you got a hot date, but she hasn't seen any of the MCU. You got to show her as much as you can in the next week. Like you, you could definitely skip this movie. You can go from Avengers to Age of Ultron and not miss any Tony stories really. Well, realistically, why would you want? I mean, like, I I mean, I get why you'd want to, but that's what I think. That's what makes this movie good, and I think that's what a lot of these movies are missing, is skippability. Like those low level bad guys that uh, fit into the particular niche of that particular superhero. I think is something that the MCU is missing. Um, yeah, a movie that's movies. able to be skipped in the MCU doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Like BJ argued that you could skip the first Iron Man, which I didn't agree with, but you, you probably could skip the first Iron Man and kind of get what's going on uh, if you start with, with Avengers. So while it's, I, I wouldn't consider this a skippable movie because it is a really good movie and you should watch it. It's not, you don't need to watch it while you're going through the MCU. And I think I've beat that home enough. Now, where does it rank? We got four levels. We got Pantheon, Awesome, Dig It, Skippable. Now, real quick, I'm going to go through the list that I have and you can tell me, where you think it fits, or if you think I'm blatantly wrong with one. Uh, in the Pantheon, number one is Avengers. Number two is Iron Man. Uh, in Awesome is Captain America, the first Avenger. Anything better than, that's like the, that's that's the the high watermark for Awesome. If you're better than that, then you're in the Pantheon. Um, and Dig It, I've got Thor. And then in Skippable, I got Iron Man 2 and the Incredible Hulk. So where do you got it? Pantheon, Awesome, Dig It, or Skippable? Um, well, first of all, I'm going to say uh, Captain America, the first Avenger is like my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies. So I'd put that in the Pantheon, but that's beside the point. Um, I would put that I would put this movie in the awesome category. Uh, it's not in my Pantheon, um, but I think I really enjoyed it. Yeah, see, if I'm going subjective, I would put this in awesome. If I was going subjective, I would put Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness in Pantheon. But that's just if we're if we're talking objectively, I don't think this movie is better than a couple of the other ones we saw. It's a flawed movie that I absolutely love. It's it's probably one of my ten favorite MCU movies, but I wouldn't rank it that high. I love the the tinkering to fight rather than just blowing it up. I love the espionage and the twists. I love this movie, but it's flawed because it lacks a compelling bad guy. Coulson would say that he lacks conviction. Um, it's flawed because the plot didn't quite match the execution. It was a really grand plot and a really well thought out plot. The execution just didn't quite match up. And it's flawed, especially because the climactic battle was not up to MCU par. So I'm putting it in Dig It. I think it's the very top of Dig It. If a movie is better than this one, this is this is my metric. If it's better than this, it's awesome. That's fair. I'd put it, I, I, I would agree it's in, it's in Dig It. Yep. I was I between them, but. But I, I do like, uh, I really liked when you said um, that you thought it was one of your 10 favorite MCU movies, but you wouldn't rank it that high. Because, I mean, we all have those movies that we just absolutely love. But realistically, when you look at it objectively, it probably aren't that good of movies. Uh, so I've got this one, two, three, 
four. I've got this as the fourth best movie at the point of its release. So that's right above Thor and right below Captain America, the first Avenger. Thanks for listening. I accidentally timed this perfectly and set this for release right before Christmas time. So Merry Christmas. As always, check out my writing at strtfacts.com. That's S-T-A-R-T-E facts.com. We'll be back next week with Thor, The Dark World with Maisie Grace Clark. I apologize in advance for making guys watch that terrible, terrible movie. Peace out.